we have to find a beginning uh, where our interest in uh, Dhamma and awakening or truth or clarity arises. Mm. We can't really find it in history. Uh, we find it in the quality of faith or sadha. Sometimes the Pali words are easier, they don't carry the nuances and resonances of the English terms. But faith and sadha is kind of sense, intuitive, you know, irrational, if you like, sense something better, something fuller, something more complete, something peaceful, sacred, you know, that's available somewhere. And I, I can I can get a sense of that. I got I'm, I'm out for that. I'm interested in that. And I got a sense that's possible. You know. So this is where the when I say the religious impulse comes from faith in God or faith in uh, you know uh, teachers and so forth. Although most teachers would say, well, you can have respect for me, but you have faith in the Buddha. <laughs> you know, which means really the awakening quality. Not just the personality, the awakening quality. Yeah. And Dhamma teachings, but again, sometimes the teachings mysterious. Uh, can't quite understand it. Yeah, we say faith in there is a path. Yeah. And a fruit. Sangha, well, people, yeah, but definitely not yes and no, it's the aspiration, the commitment vehicle, the purity as it's being enacted by human beings. Mm. So Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Mm. Mm. So just discerning the conventional from something more fulfilling. Mm. Just distinguishing what we might say the mundane, you know, or the that which can be described, that which can be written about, talked about, people we can know and see and comment on to something that we never quite really can capture because it's beyond. And that's fine, that's where it should be. Because we want to open to it, we don't want to just grab it and claim it. And that's the problem with all religions. So, claiming, grabbing at some deity or scripture and then sooner or later, quite often sooner, <laughs> conflict starts happening. That's what happens with grabbing, even the grabbing the most beautiful things. Uh, so is it just, well, if we're not, we're not operating through grasping, grabbing, you know, accumulating something, and the faith is a kind of opening, opening, opening. And uh, some sense, if I can place that, that um, truth will be revealed. We don't find it, it, it reveals itself. Mm. It's unconditioned, in other words. It's not about me making it, getting it, figuring it. It's, I can form those opinions, those attitudes, those approaches. I can have my systems and techniques and I have my teachers and scriptures and books, but 
you know, they're only going to point to something I can't ever really grasp. And that, that's the way I want it. <laughs> it keeps me fresh and open and sensitive and, you know, unfinished. I want that openness. Mm. Otherwise I just get lost in my own, my own stuff. Mm. So faith in, you could say, faith in the unconditioned. Mm. Not graspable. And the condition for this, uh, well, one of the primary conditions for this is just the disillusionment with everything else. <laughs> or seeing the limitations of everything else. Or, in fact, sometimes extreme uh, despair. And, you know, quite a lot of the, looking at the histories, quite a lot of the people who realised the awakening came from some pretty horrific tragedies and traumas and grief and frustration and confusion and anguish. Uh, and then, then, but still, you know, somehow, you've got to get beyond this. Mm. So as it said, dukkha is a condition for the arising of faith. And dukkha, unfortunately, it's only a condition because it's not always the case that when people suffer, they get faith. Sometimes they just get vengeful and miserable, <laughs> depressed. <laughs> it's your fault. You know, something wrong with me or something like that. No, no, no. So it doesn't always happen. You know, but it's a condition. It's not, a, it's not an inevitable cause, but it's a root condition. So I said, then there's that turning away from, yeah, it's okay, but not in, yeah, yeah, that's okay, but... It's not really, yeah, you know. So sometimes it's not exactly miserable, just as much as it only goes so far. And then, yeah, you know, then it doesn't quite reach it. The, the, un, the unreachable, the unresolved, the incomplete, the partiality, these are all the dukkha. It's not, never, conditions are never completed. And, uh, when this faith potential is uh, strong in people, seems to be a primary condition that some people have, you know, chittas, their hearts have a lot of that capacity. Some people have limited. Mm. Mm. Then there's that sense of, uh, just, mm, you go to mm, open out of conditions. In other words, to not be grasping at them and not be grasped by them. Because we can always kind of imagine that we do all this grasping, but actually, so it's just a mechanism, it's a reflex. It happens. You know, security, want a position, have to hold on, feel vulnerable. Yeah, understandable. So something clamps. Hold on to a belief. Hold on to a fundamentalism. Hold on to a sense object. Hold on to an idea. Hold on to your self-image. And that goes on a lot. And that because, you know, the chitta just can't, can't manage to open. 
doesn't have the capacity yet. Mm. It's too too frightened, too vulnerable, too unfulfilled. So that has to be understood with compassion. So we have some faith where there is the faith potential. It needs to be supported. Supported. And nourished. Mm. Yeah. To know itself. The beauty of this is, is if this, you know, in a way, Sada can be seen as the origin, it's also, in a way, the, the almost the mark of the finality of the path, of supreme confidence. You know, a feeling of complete confidence, that's it. No shaking, no wavering, no doubt. Not, not trembling, not knocked over, not disappointed, not disillusioned by conditions, because as such that the faith has ripened the extent with the jitta has become extremely steady and free from grasping. As it said, this is the deathless, the jitta that's released from grasping. <coughs> Bearing in mind that grasping is not necessarily a voluntary decision, it's a reflex. When we something that the jitta just can't bear, openness. Too, just too, because it's sensitive. Then mm. we get defensive, close in, hold on. This has to be understood with, you know, with some compassion and some. Reality. It's not just you can stop grasping. As I said, the whole mechanism of the mind, of feeling, of consciousness, of perception is affected by grasping. It's called the khandas, the upadana khanda. They're profoundly affected, open to, sensitive to, hair hair triggered to, to hold on. And so that can be, and that process can be extreme built up. Some places we pretty feel pretty open, that's fine. Other places everything suddenly clamps. You must have known this yourself. Get reactive. No blame. Doesn't do any good. We have to cultivate to understand, to really look into where is, how is the grasping happening, what's the response to that, what blocks us from access to the unconditioned, what grabs us, what grasps us, fear, fear of being overwhelmed, fear of pain, fear of being hurt, fear of getting lost, fear of being smothered, Need, I want, I really have to have something to fill me up. Mm. Yeah, so 
then we say, well, okay, we can meet those needs in a healthier way. And really this is the cultivation, which we can see in certain aspects. One is just that which does give a certain sense of fulfillment, stability, comfort, steadiness. These are called samatha practices, steadying practices, nourishing practices. And these will then, as the jitta feels more steady, it will then begin to see more clearly without these reactions. That's insight. You don't actually do insight. You do the steadying, the easing, the nourishing, the calming, the gladdening. And the jitta begins to open up and it sees. That's the way it's described. And when there is, you know, jnana dasana, um, when there's clear seeing, it's dependent upon samadhi, mind feeling settled and composed. And of course you can get into all the technical details of that, but that's primarily settling so that the jitta will open by itself. See for itself. It doesn't have to be me doing something about it. So they may have this kind of, uh, you know, somewhat seemingly paradoxical. This, you know, eventually it's about not doing, just opening, seeing, let the jitta can know for itself. Heart, sensitivity can know for itself. But in order to be able to do that, to, for that to happen, there has to be some repairing and sustaining and cultivating to get the jitta into healthy state condition. Mm. So we come to meditation, apart from everything else. <laughs> Recognising you know, we, we've kind of created a line there called meditation and maybe it's not such a line at all as a kind of a, you know, what does it take to speak correctly? It takes Clarity, composure, steadiness, awareness, you know. Uh, that's meditation. Yeah. What does it take to, to live with other people? It takes clarity, steadiness, composure. That's meditation. So let's not make that line too sharp, but okay, we are doing a special thing for this uh, period of time. In order to do certain uh, heighten certain facets, and the primary facet probably will heighten. It? Attention is one of them, and intention. The attention, that which selects a particular object, theme, sensation, to steady itself upon. Intention, a certain sense of what kind of activity do I do? And we're working on those. With, and the interesting thing, of course, you know, is that the general trajectory is less, less, less. <laughs> the less, the steadier. Less details, less data, steadier. Steadiness isn't the be-all and end-all of everything, but it's exceptionally helpful why we do these practices. Steadying attention. 
because if attention is darting around, what happens? Is that everything we touch, feel, we feel. Everything that attention touched by feels. When it feels, reactions start happening. Things start stirring. The uh, jitterfoot's got more and more stuff to actually, you know, handle, making it more tricky. And every attention then, if it's jumping around, well, it's, and why it's why it's jumping around? What it's seeking to do something, to get something done, to remember something, to organise something, have something, to taste something, to think of something, to have a chat. You know, intention is jumping around with it. They do it. Something get quite stirred up, agitated. Um, mm. And we have to learn how to moderate those two qualities. Clearly, in much of our lives, attention does move around. Intention does hover from this to that. But we're trying to maintain certain core intentions, which is clarity, harmlessness, honesty, non-compulsive, non-reactive, gentleness, firmness. These ethical qualities... So your intention is not led by external data, but heart. And we want to be able to discern this heart quality, our ethical centre, from just the random input of consciousness, sight, sound, touch, thought. So we just kind of... So we're not getting tugged around. Mm. Mm. Difference between a dog and a lion, one of the many differences, you throw a stick, a dog will run after it. Right? Throw a stick or a lion, the lion looks at you. <laughs> it doesn't run after the stick, it just looks at you. What are you doing? So you want to have an eyes like a lion. Mm. Maybe. Not that jumping off, everything, ha- everything that happens, looking at the eye of a lion. So it's settled back, isn't it? It's non compulsive. Now, finding a suitable mooring post for attention, and the Buddha recommended highly recommended, found invaluable, mindfulness of body. And, uh, you know, what is a body? Well, bodies, we can see them, and they experience things coming from external stimulation, cold, cold, tactile, and internal senses, tense, relaxed, Unbalanced, sick, bright, vigorous, turbulent, sluggish, internal qualities. So these are the internal and external qualities we experience in body. And uh, they have to be held carefully, but the most uh, important ones are the internal qualities, because these are the qualities that, that we can really work with independent of circumstances. And these are qualities 
that are not dependent upon sight, sound, touch. They stay with you. And they're linked, many of them, not all of them, but many of them are linked to emotional and psychological qualities. One is angry, one is upset, one is fearful, one is nervous, one is overstressed, one is underpowered. You know? So this really gives us some sense in which we begin to work on the mind or mental or emotional or psychological qualities as they're being manifested within the body. So then this definitely is the area we need to clear and steady and nourish so that we feel comfortable and settled, not fragile or, you know, jelly. And attention can't do that. It can only hold a frame. So if we're really considering this internal bodily sense, there's no point focusing on particular physical aspects of the body, like your feet or your nose or your shoulders or your hands. Well, you could do, but really you want to get in into that base. So sense is whole body. Because the whole body feels things. And if we're recognizing the uh, imbalances, we can be very much internally up in the head, for example, quite common. To be really feel where you sense your body internally, can be a lot of energy happening in the head, shoulders, nothing much in the back, nothing much in the neck. So you just the whole body enables attention to create a frame whereby the energy can begin to uh, even itself out, find balance. Then we definitely feel more steady. Yeah. And this imbalance is a, is a function of a contracted attention. Which is contracted attention is one we use a lot. That's in fact what we think attention is. When you focus on a book or an idea or a screen or a concept or a plan, which is certainly a form of attention, but it does involve a certain narrowing where you have to ignore quite a few other things. So the Buddha doesn't seem to have recommend, ever recommended narrowing attention, but restraining it. So we say, what would be the natural form of, form of attention for a forest dweller, the time of the Buddha, forest dweller, no screen, no clock, no time, no words, no symbols, no letters, uh, no figuring. Walking around the forest, whole body, sensing. <coughs> Sensing the space it's standing in, moving through. Because that's where the spider webs might be, or the snake might be under the foot, or the branch may be about to crack and splinter. Whole body. Sensitive, whole body. So it's rather like extend your attention to the kind of a span that would be approximately 
a relaxed arm's length. You know, like this kind of degree. So you recognise from the body's point of view, anything inside this zone is my business. Outside of that, it's, it's the mind's business to figure out what's coming here. I said something like that. It's quite a wide span, but not it's definitely contained. Yeah. And that we lessen the visual impact so that we can sense things. So the visual impression, which can go quite a long way, is restrained. And we sense just the body sensing what's happening in the space external around me, internal within me. How am I moving through space? How am I sitting in, what's the space I'm sitting in? And definitely you can be very attentive to that. And I would suggest that that is the fundamental focus for what we call this meditation experience. Because one thing it does, it gives you a kind of a a place where your attention can steady and it's not contracted. You don't have to tighten it. It kind of you might have to actually keep opening it. And because it, 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 normally your attention is so visually dominated onto things that are reasonably close to the face. So it's a little bit a little bit further, softening the visual focus. Uh, and for that, you can then sense the entire body as a unity, as a sensitive thing, and the sense of how it's being affected by what's around, outside, inside, without shuttling. You don't have to go outside and inside, you're at the edge of your skin, you could say. The edge of your skin where you can sense cool, warm, no issues here, internally, pressure, energy's too, you know, energy's quite vigorous or not very vigorous, and this is what I need to work with. Because based upon attention, attention links into intention what we give attention to triggers what we're going to do how we're going to respond so if attention is just on that perimeter that boundary externally in these situations there's nothing much to do which is good Is bothering me. Warm clothes, foods available, nothing much to do. Ah, focus on that. Keep keep focusing on it. (laughs) Because normally there is quite a bit to do externally. You want to clear that so that we can focus on what we're doing internally. 
because this is where it gets a little more compulsive and where often that leaks out into external because I there's a lot of unfinished, unresolved agitation I start going around doing things or something or the other to somehow resolve an internal issue mm. seeking comfort to resolve an internal bleakness seeking activity in order to resolve a certain stagnation and again this is just all again totally understandable but you recognise how much do you need to do externally in order to make it possible to do this internal steadying clearing returning to that focus, that wide focus again it's not infinitely wide, it's, it's got a certain limit to it, I can stay within that, yeah, I can walk I can stand, I can sit, I can recline I can move around I can move around the monastery with other people yeah stay within that yeah, may you be well, I'm staying in my bubble yeah and uh, let me know if you need anything Tap on it, otherwise you can stay within that. Then you can you can abide within that. Otherwise you stay with that. Course or actions you can do, need to do, sweeping, cleaning, eating, so forth. But it's that chosen action. Uh, intention is then quite clear, steady, not coming from a place of unknowing or ignorance so with the intentional aspect it's sort of doing less doesn't mean not doing anything but doing less because how much intentionality how much impulse how much mental do it comes from just unresolved psychological, emotional issues which again, being sympathetic to it okay, can you do it just to, can you just, you know as another way to resolve those <laughs> yeah and then the intention, we steer that towards definitely there's something to do here which is let's do the lingering let's do the grounding, let's do the opening, let's do the warm-heartedness, let's do the compassion, let's do the patience, let's do the, yeah, these hard qualities, put, do those as is necessary, as a response to <coughs> what one's experiencing. Uh, and these responses don't take you away from dealing, holding. In fact, they're necessary in order to shake off the confusion, the reactivity, the defensiveness, the grasping that affects jitta, heart. So we do that which is needed to undo, to make it possible to undo. Mm. 
you have attention, intentional impulse to it. And you have this other aspect, heart, it's receptivity, we're sensitive. And that's quite a poignant term, isn't it? You don't want to be insensitive, but sensitivity brings feeling. Feeling starts to jump and surge and push and rock. There's another quality in there, in that heart sensitivity called knowingness or awareness. Sensitive, but also we're sensitive because there is this open, receptive. And that's what, by lingering, by stabilizing attention, by calming and steadying intention, this knowingness can come to the fore. Because the reactivity has been subdued. Therefore, knowingness comes in, awareness comes in. Okay, that's a difficult feeling, a painful feeling. Let's just take some time with that. And what's needed. Particularly as um, the feeling that's most um, malleable and indeed most... um, continually problematic is of a mental nature. Physical feeling you can only do so much with. Mental feeling, the aim is you can do a lot with that and that will lead to your liberation. So mental feeling, psychological, emotional, feeling frazzled, feeling depleted, you know, and the unpleasant feeling. You know, which can create a lot of reactivity, desperation, even oppression, feeling completely overwhelmed, trapped. Okay, let's just come into those, recognizing those, any of those places that occur. Let's return to sensitive to the entire body in that frame I've referred to. Sensitive to the entire body. Take a few breaths. Let the breath be long, complete. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Just by shifting attention, you're off the hot spot. Still feeling the energies of feeling overwhelmed or saturated or fed up. But now you've got a contra- another tide of feeling coming in, which is steadying, calming, grounded, and that wave begins to soften and soothe the wave of emotional, psychological dukkha. That's the way it works.
And it works without a lot of belief. It works without a lot of intellectual knowledge. It works without a lot of me getting into it. In fact, there's something selfless about it. I have to really, I cannot open to things that I can't personally don't like very much at all. And see things I'm really disappointed by. I can't really can't find a place to put it. The horrors I, I receive in, you know, news. I just don't know where to put it. Mm. You know, domestic tragedies and what do you, you know, people just get shattered by it all. Because, without being condemning, you know, because jitta hasn't been developed. It'd be nice if the world could be wonderful and peaceful and be happy and comfortable and get on with each other and not, you know, nobody have any pain, but that isn't going to happen. It'd be nice, maybe, if things all went exactly the way I like it, but that's not going to happen either, <laughs> realistically. So what could be done is steadying attention finding a frame which will not dismiss that experience or blame that experience. It doesn't do anything like that. It just holds the frame. And sensitive to that embodied, embodied experience, feeling grounded, steadied, and gentle, tired, moving in, you know, kind of con- moving against the tide of despair or frustration. Mm, something more serene and equanimous. And all this, because there is awareness, if we stay with that experience, then we stay with that experience. There's understanding, discernment, wisdom arises. Now, okay, to stay with it means you're present. So, not a set of words, but you know, last I don't want to stay with it. I want to find something else. Again, maybe that's. All you can do right now. But ideally, developing it to the point when you can, when the jitter, that frame of attention, the mindfulness is steady enough to be able to hold unpleasant feeling. And through the holding, steady holding, and the non-contracting awareness of attention and the non-reaction to fix it and change it and get over it and blame somebody and the non-doing that something else can come through there's the restraint isn't it something else can come through of a wiser, deeper tide you think it's not me Oh wow, maybe all that was worthwhile in order to recognise that. 
not me, reality. But you know, you contemplate how do how does how do I how do I get how do I get stuck? You know, and just look at it in terms of attention. I, I would guess why I said myself: attention contracts onto a particular detail, and it gets. <laughs> I can get stuck on something. <laughs> then something wrong, something wrong with me, something wrong with them, shouldn't be doing it. And just get stuck on this little thing. You're stuck there. Stop it, stop it. Because <laughs> it's attentions would come to the very much to the level of symbols and concepts. Yeah, we the interpretation. It's not the sound that bothers me, actually. It's it's a retreat, and it shouldn't be using the chainsaw that bothered me. It shouldn't be. So I got that shouldn't be concept. The sound has become this idiot operating a chainsaw outside my kuti in the middle of a meditation retreat. And then what kind of brainless nitwit does that? And so then it gets stuck, doesn't it? Getting to the detail. Well, wait a minute. Is this, you know, just open the attention. What you really, really touching sound. Not pleasant sound. Idiot's gone. Retreat's gone. Sound. Unpleasant. Yeah. Okay. You don't get that attention grabbing hold of it and the intention getting all snarly and upset about it. Mm. You maintain that. Once it retracts, you get into the details. And there's a huge amount of energy and a huge amount of potential for getting into these details. We love it. You know, partly because of our literary culture, you're adding things, contracting things, coming to conclusions. That's what the whole lot of our education is about detail, isn't it? I thought there shouldn't be detail, but just when is that retraction so compulsive in order to get a reading of something, I, my, my attention narrows in order to get a reading of it. But do you need a reading? Of a sound. You know we need to know, you don't like it. You don't need to be a genius to figure that out. <laughs> okay. Then she's doing something that really annoys me, disappoints me. You know, and she, she's the boss, she's the manager. Why is she doing something stupid and annoys me? In that position, she'd be da 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 Concept. Focus your attention, out come the claws. What about just being, you know, actions, behaviours, senses, sensitive to that? Holding in the body, or 
that feeling, the, the exasperation or the disappointment or whatever. Why, do have, why, do I, why does that have to come into me? Why does somebody else's behaviour have to come into me? Become, well you idiot, you brought it in. <laughs> you know, you, you grabbed hold of it and took it in. <laughs> That's how it got into you. Could you keep it out there, it doesn't have to get in. Yeah, and that's the Buddha when he talked about, you know, mindfulness immersed in the body. It says like, you get a lightweight, flimsy door. You throw a ball of wool at it, it flies open. This is an undeveloped mind. You get a stir, steady, firm oak door. You throw a rock at it, it doesn't move. This is a mindfulness of body. It doesn't, Mara doesn't get in. So he recognises kind of what we call internal external. Actually, they're not really absolutely true internal external. That's the way it appears. But what's occurring is, you know, attention, compulsive grasping. Something becomes internal, dependent upon grasping. Becomes external, dependent upon grasping. It's neither. It's just that which arises in, through the process of being conscious. So in fact, there's no boundaries to it. That's why it's so confusing and difficult. You create the boundary, the body, steady, enough space in there feel the feeling and use that very steady and simple and non-contracted it's a fairly restful form of attention it's not heady and then you can walk with it you can stand with it you can move around with it you're not contracted to a sitting position even or to narrow you can move around in it maintaining it Mm. and sometimes that's why we do walking meditation why it's so helpful is just you know uh, there's certain qualities that need to be moved through breathing can move through them that helps to move the energy through these uh, patterns these psychologies and emotions but also walking moves energies through and helps just to stop things clogging and contracting and then we begin to get some insight you realise you know, certain assumptions get made so fundamentally so kind of almost involuntary assumptions you know, that, that act as the foundation People should be something. 
Well, what? Life should be something. What? There's such a thing as justice. What? I should be able to live forever. Will not die. What? Death is a tragedy. What? I'm in here. What? You take these assumptions away. Understand them. This is just uncertainties, fears, needs, wishes, moving around. Remove the assumptions. Maybe it's like this now. Is there faith? Not in something that isn't here yet. Not in something that could be here. Not in something you wish was here. Is there faith in something that is here? And needs to be nourished. This is our inquiry and time to cultivate, time to listen to, time to nourish.